Good morning, friends. <clears throat> As a former basketball coach, I love watching the game, so much so that I often arrive an hour before the game starts. Now, you probably wonder why. Well, it's because I, I want to watch the pregame rituals, and not just the 20 minutes or so before the game when they're just going to shoot layups and run other drills. I also like to see how the players warm up before the warm-ups. As you no doubt already know, all athletes have a habit of warming up before they actually take the field or the court. While we at home are watching the pregame show, listen to the announcers banter back and forth as we get together our chips and pizza and drinks, athletes themselves are going through a more essential pregame ritual. Before the first pitch, before the kickoff, before the tip-off, before the first whatever, dropping of the puck, they're loosening up their joints, stretching their muscles, and even preparing themselves mentally and emotionally for the battle that's about to take place. And if you're an athlete, you don't enter the game without first getting yourself ready. You know, you see the same thing with musicians. And what's the first thing they do? Well, typically they tune, or at least they're supposed to. Although there's an old joke that says, did you hear about the guitar player who was in tune? Yeah, no one else heard that one either. But the truth is that before they play, they make sure they're in tune, and they make sure that the mics are in place, they do a sound check. I mean, you just don't walk it off the street and start playing. You take some steps to make sure you're ready. I mean, for most worship teams I've known, they not only take steps to make sure that they're musically prepared, they also take steps to make sure that they're also spiritually prepared to lead others. But I want you to realize that they're not the only ones who should be doing this. Everyone who comes to worship or lead worship, and that would include pastors, by the way, should be taking steps beforehand to ensure that they are prepared to enter worship so that our worship may be acceptable to the one who's worthy of our best, worthy of our praise. And for this reason, I want us to think about cultivating a worship-centered lifestyle, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. I mean, one objective is learning to prepare ourselves for worship so that we can get more, and I'm going to get back to that later because get more sounds kind of weird, to get more out of each worship service. Another objective is learning to cultivate a life of daily worship, that worship becomes something we do privately each and every day, as well as something we do publicly. And another object, objective is completely overhauling and redefining this whole concept of getting more out of worship. I mean, how often have you actually heard, I got a lot out of worship today? But we mean it in one specific way, and it's not necessarily what we should want or should expect to get out of the service. I'm saying that sometimes we come to worship wanting and expecting the wrong thing. So I, I want us to go back to the drawing board, if you will, and reevaluate exactly what should happen when we come together to worship as a church. And I also want us to reevaluate what should happen when we come before God privately so that we can make sure that we truly are seeking to worship Him rather than seeking to be entertained or feel good or anything else. <clears throat> now, part of this redefining process will be to remind ourselves again and again and again that when we talk about praise and worship, we're not just talking about the music. And we're certainly not talking about a style of music. I mean, many people will tell you that praise is up-tempo music and worship is soft and contemplative music. But the truth is that neither praise nor worship is exclusively about music. And to be sure, music is a key part of praise and worship, but it's not all there is to it. And I'm going to say this as gently as possible. If you need a certain kind of music to feel like you worship, well, friends, you've got a little tweaking to do. 
Now, as I said, one of the objectives of this series I'm starting today is that we learn how to get more out of each worship service. So how does that happen? Well, in the past, I always thought that the key for getting more out of the service was to design or attend better services. You know, better music, better media, better soloists, better talent, better preaching, better lights, better sound, better everything. Well, as it turns out, better form doesn't always equal better content. The real key to getting more out of the worship service is not to create a better worship service or to find a church with better worship, but rather the key to getting more out of worship is to come to the service better prepared with a better attitude. Certainly we do everything worship related to the best of our ability with the best quality we can create because God is worthy of our best. And I'm not implying in any way that quality doesn't count, but I do want to emphasize that worship involves a whole lot more than just a finely tuned production. That whole lot more begins in the pregame, so to speak. It begins before the worship service ever begins. It begins in the parking lot or as you enter the sanctuary and find a place to sit. And guess what? It's the same at home in your private devotions. Before you can enter worship, you need to prepare. You need to stretch. You need to get in tune. You need to make sure that your heart, your attitude is in the right place. Now today, I'm just going to talk about how to get your heart ready for worship, whether it be private or public, at home or at church. And if you'll prepare yourself for worship, you'll get more out of worship and you'll worship better. So let's talk about this. If you've got a Bible handy, I want you to turn to Romans, Romans chapter 12. And we're going to look at three attitudes that we need to adopt in order to prepare ourselves to enter into worship. Attitude number one is an attitude of surrender. Paul says in Romans 12:1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I want you to notice that phrase, present your bodies. Now, by, by using the word body, Paul is saying that we are to present all of ourselves, not just the religious part, not just the spiritual part, but all that encompasses the totality of who you are, your work, your life, your marriage, your daily activities, your physical behavior, your habits, what you eat and drink, everything you do and everything that makes you, you. Present that to God. When Paul says present your bodies, he means give it up, <laughs> give up everything, give your whole self. But, but it's the word present that I really want to focus on because this word indicates the kind of attitude we need. The Greek word uh, is actually translated, uh, translated present means to make available, to offer, to give, or to give up. So Paul is talking here about the idea of letting yourself go, of surrendering yourself completely to God. And this, he says, is your spiritual act of worship. In other words, worship begins with an attitude of surrender. Now, not long ago, while preaching and teaching in prison, we closed the service with several verses of the song, I Surrender All. Maybe some of you know that song. I, I really kind of like it. It's one of my favorites. But you know what? We shouldn't wait till the end of the service to sing it. We should sing it at the very beginning. I mean, as we walk in the door, we should be saying, <clears throat> Lord, I surrender all to you today. All that I am, all I have, all I can do, I surrender to you. I let my, go of myself, and I offer it up to you. In the same way as you begin your personal time of worship, you bring this attitude. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. Before you enter worship, you need to come with an attitude of surrender. Like John the Baptist, we must be willing to say, he must increase, but I must decrease. 
Here's the second attitude. It's an attitude to sacrifice. Paul says in verse 1, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, Paul here uses the word sacrifice because his ancient readers uh, would understand the concept of sacrifice, not only because it appears in the Old Testament, but also because it's a central part of all ancient religions. Now, today we think of religion as a system of belief and behavior, but in, in ancient times, however, religion was primarily about sacrifice. It was about offering something of value to the little g-gods to please or appease, and everyone was familiar with that. <clears throat> the Old Testament ritual of sacrifice was established to illustrate that Jesus would ultimately do for all people everywhere that through his sacrificial death on the cross, he'd pay for the price for the sins of the whole world. So Paul used the term sacrifice in this verse kind of as a metaphor, knowing his readers would understand how it describes what should be our worship attitude. Now here's how we can understand this concept. When you come to worship, come with the attitude of giving up yourself, a willingness to pay the price. Come with an attitude that says, I'm here to give, not to get. Now, many times I hear people say, I, I couldn't get anything out of worship today. I, I, I didn't like the songs, the drummer was too loud, the guitar was out of tune, the, the pastor didn't know what he's talking about, uh, the organist played like they had on mittens, and on and on and on. Now, somehow we're, we've come up with the idea <clears throat> that the worship leaders are supposed to pander to our personal preferences, and if they don't perform up to par, and we're not sufficiently entertained, then I can't truly worship and there have been times when I've heard people say, if it doesn't get better soon, I'll just go somewhere else. And i got to tell you, I'm often tempted to say, please do, why wait, go now. Now, I told you, I'm tempted, but I don't. Because the fact is, I've been just as critical, believe it or not. So I know firsthand how this attitude can prevent anyone from entering into an experience of worship. When you go to a play or a concert or a movie or even a ball game, you have every right to, be, to expect to be entertained. But not when you're going to worship. That's not what worship is all about. We need to get past the idea that worship is, above everything else, something that I do for me to make me feel good. Friends, worship is not about you. And it isn't about me. It's not even about us. So who is it about then? Well, I would say the answer is pretty obvious. Worship is our time to give to God that which he is due. Paul said in verse 3, I say to everyone among you to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think. He's reminding us that we are not the center of the universe. So we come to worship with the attitude, God, this isn't about me. It's about you. The song we're singing, it might not be the song I'd have chosen, but I'm going to sacrifice my personal music preferences and lay them on the altar, and I'll sing this song as an offering for you. A while back, I heard someone say about it, a song in church. I, I just hate that song. Another person kind of chimed in and said, I wonder if God hates it too, and I wonder if he hates it when his people sing it to him. Did you ever think of that? You know, before you bash any song, I don't care whether it's old or new, popular or not, praise and worship or an old Lutheran hymn, I mean, keep in mind that you weren't the one it was written for. So again, I'm going to say this as gently as I can. Your opinion doesn't really count. Worship isn't something that you do for yourself or for your own entertainment to make yourself feel good. Worship is your time to give to God that which He is due, the praise and honor of the glory He deserves. 
And while I'm on the subject, neither is our morning devotional something that we do for ourselves for the sole purpose of feeling good. Now, I've had the habit of doing daily devotionals for decades, but I'll be honest, for a long, long time, I went about it the wrong way, or at least with the wrong motive. My quiet time was something I was doing for me so that I would feel better about my day. My attitude was kind of, okay, God, I'm, I, I'm plugging in, uh, now charge my battery. It took me a number of years to figure out that my purpose for meeting with God early in the morning was not to get, it was to give. My purpose for spending time alone with God each morning was to give him that which is, that which he is due, regardless of how I feel. Now, the paradox is that the more we surrender to him and the more we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, the more he blesses us. So your early morning time alone with God will recharge your battery, most of the time at least. But it's essential that we remember that our time of worship is not for us. It's a time when we come to give to God, and we are to come with our hands lifted up, not with our hands held out. We come to give, not get. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Friends, that's what our worship should be, a sacrifice of praise. It means that we come with an attitude of paying a price. What can I give to God today? What part of myself? can I leave behind? So an attitude of surrender, an attitude of sacrifice. And here's the third attitude that will help. It's an attitude of service. Instead of saying, what can others do to make this worship service more enjoyable for me? We need to say, what can I do for others this morning? What can I do to add to this service? What can I add to the spirit of fellowship? What can I add to the offering plate? (laughs) Now, I'm sure you saw that coming, but I'm not completely joking. I mean, giving is a part of worship. In verses 5 to 8 of Romans 12, it says, We, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy, in proportion to our faith, if service, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Friends, again, Paul is just saying we all have different gifts, so let's use them to serve the church and to serve one another. Because when we serve, we worship. Serving God and serving one another is an act of worship. If you go back to verse 1, Paul said, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual, what? Worship. Now, that word translated worship originally meant work for hire or work for pay. Over the years, this word has come to mean serve, and it more recently come to mean that to which a man gives his life. This word was used specifically as a religious term, as in service to the little g gods, or in the case of Christ followers, service to the big g god. In most Bible verses, the word is translated worship, but it doesn't mean sitting in a pew and singing a song and following a liturgy. It means the kind of worship that puts your gifts into action, by serving God and serving others and serving his church. What this means is that all day throughout the day, as you're doing what God has gifted you to do, you're worshiping him. Teaching children in the classroom is an act of worship. Working on the factory floor is an act of worship. Visiting a lonely neighbor is an act of worship. Playing with your kids or spending time with your spouse is an act of worship. 
I heard this story a number of years ago. It had to do with Ruth Graham. That's Billy Graham's wife. That she had a handmade sign that sat over her kitchen sink that said, quote, Worship service is held here three times daily, end of quote. Now, when I first heard that story, uh, my cynical side said, why didn't Billy just buy his wife a dishwasher? But, you know, that's not really the point. The point is that Ruth Graham realized that in doing the work God had called her to do, that being a full-time homemaker and mom, she was serving God, and in her service, she was worshiping God. Before we can enter any experience of worship, public or private, we need to come with an attitude that says, I'm not here to be served, but to serve. Even if you're not in leadership, as you look around on a Sunday morning, you'll find many opportunities to demonstrate a servant's heart. And all throughout the week, you'll find many opportunities to demonstrate a servant's heart. Serving others is in itself an act of worship, so prepare to worship with an attitude of service. Before we can enter into worship, we need to prepare. Like an athlete, we may need to stretch ourselves a little bit. Like a musician, we need to get ourselves in tune with God's Spirit. If we just walk in off the street unprepared, if we just jump in each day of our lives unprepared, we're liable to pull a spiritual equivalent of a hamstring and find ourselves sitting on the bench. If we come to worship without checking ourselves spiritually first, we're likely to come in and say, What's the least that's expected of me? And what can I get out of this? And what can you do for me? Now, friends, this may be the attitude of some church people and some pastors, but it's not the attitude of worship. Instead, our attitude needs to be, what's the most I can offer? What's the most I can give? What's the most I can do? Worshiping God means that you give to him that which he is due. And this begins in the pregame as you make sure that your heart is ready and that your spirit is in tune with the Holy Spirit. And so today and every day, I challenge you and me to begin each day this way, with an attitude of surrender, an attitude of sacrifice, and an attitude of service. This will prepare you not only to get more out of a worship service, it will prepare you to get more worship into your life. Until next time, See the vision, live the mission, feel the passion.